Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number nine of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. The Philosopher Pimp. Call me whatever you like, but don't call me whenever you like. And I'm here with my studious co-host, a man who eats, breathes, and sleeps market profile. A man with an illustrious 20-year career of savagely taking retail money. A man who in his heyday has a, has a, alleged to have squatted with six plates on both sides of the bar, a.k.a. <laughs> tree trunk legs. I'm talking about JJ. JJ, how's it going? <laughs> good, Ray. How you doing? <laughs> I am doing good, man. So by my calculations, um, that would be 585 pounds you squatted. Now, I don't know if it's different like in Canadian. Like, uh, <laughs> Do you guys weigh by pounds or... No, each plate is 45, just like in the States. We get our okay. weights from the States. <laughs> no, like that was a legitimate question. I know you guys use different like uh, metrics, you know what I mean, for measuring. Well, yeah, it's, it seems like a lot of weight. But where I grew up, um, you know, people are big. And um, at 285, when I was, you know, also that's that's not a great power to weight ratio because I was 285. I should have been throwing more up there. Uh-huh. But uh, at 285, I was one of the smaller guys among my 15 buddies. So <laughs> that's not that, that's ridiculous. All right, all right. Well, um, so yeah, so going uh, going on about last week, uh, we had on trading performance coach Stephen Goldstein um, as a guest. Uh, what were your thoughts about it last last week, JJ? Uh, I, my thoughts is I'm grateful. <laughs> That was, I'm truly grateful to have made contact with him. Like, if do you realize how tough it is to access guys like that for retail traders? Oh, yeah. You know, they, they get big, big, big bucks from hedge funds and uh, institutional traders for that kind of coaching. So, to have that kind of access, um, I'm like, whoa, it's like, oh, lottery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to, because he's a performance coach, he helps you with edges. And just to be able to open a, a dialogue with him, you know, um, to one day be able to, you know, reach out to ask him a question and that sort of thing. And if I do, I'll uh, I'll definitely make it public and, um, you know, and and tell the the listeners about it because, uh, you know, everything I seem to be going through uh, in the retail space, I'm not special, you know, just because you know I, I'm an ex uh, instrument of the paper hangers. Um, I'm not special. I go through everything that the retail people have gone through um, and having access to someone like him who's been a trader and he's not just some guy with a fancy degree. Right, right. Um, you know, he's been in the trenches and he knows what it's like, you know, to lose a limb uh, financially. And, um, you know, having that kind of access is, I'm really, really grateful. I'm, I was really, really pleased. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and, and even for myself, it was, uh, you know, it was crazy, like, because everything he talks about, like 100% applies to poker. Like the, the similarities are uncanny. And, you know, I've been going through a downswing as of late. And just talking to him, I, I didn't start playing poker again until yesterday. You know, I was finally able to like, convince myself, all right, take a break. Because I think I was definitely underestimating how much my emotions were actually affecting me. You know what I mean? Like uh, I, I was like, oh, like I'm above. Like I, you know, I, I didn't realize how much my ego was actually really in play. Like I thought I was above the emotions. Oh, I play a game theory approach. Like emotions don't affect me, and and I was just lying to myself. 
It, it it creeps up on you, man. You 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 think you're okay and you think you're stable, and I'll be sitting there and I'll be in a trade, and you know the only thing now is that I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. Before I wasn't aware of how my emotions were affecting me. Sometimes I'll just start feeling off, like you know something that somebody said or something that somebody did will start entering my mind. I'm like, oh, I'm not in the zone, right? And um, then I'll pull back and. Um, my buddy odds who did a great interview with you guys uh you know he said uh, he goes for a walk and uh jim dalton always says get up and go for a walk look at the ducks so i'll do stuff like that or you know just to get out of my head and but it now i can actually kind of see it coming right or mm-hmm. i can feel oh you know i'm i'm not i'm not there right um you know so that that's really i'm grateful for that i've developed that kind of self awareness that i was sorely lacking uh, when I started this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And if, if, if the listeners, if you guys haven't listened to that, uh, obviously we uh, think very highly of Stephen Goldstein. So go back, listen to that. Guarantee anybody could get anything, uh, get something out of it, no matter your experience level. And so uh, transitioning in today's topic, uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, starting your journey into becoming a profitable trader. Um, what's the path going to look like to becoming consistently prof- profitable? And uh, before we jump into that, JJ, I know you wanted to, you know, kind of touch on like what's been happening in the market uh, recently. And so, you know, the market's been tanking. And so my my question to you, um, what's your advice? Okay, like it might this might be a general question, but like what's your general approach to navigating these types of markets? Okay, first of all, if you're a seasoned trader, you, you probably don't need any advice from me. You know what to do. This isn't your first barbecue, right? <laughs> but newer traders, okay, when markets start coming off like they did yesterday, the day before, and the day before that, after they've hit an all-time high, you are going to get other time frame in there selling. This is called distribution, or as you know, one of my you know dark clients used to say, distribution. <laughs> so that what what you're doing with these markets, the, you have to understand why the market exists. We take a market up, so you chase it, and that's what's been going on for the last oh god since easily since June. Um, the market has been going up on very very bad structure, right? It's it's we're literally building, you know houses of cards on foundations of sand, right? So that market has been creeping up, creeping up, and they got it up to an all-time high, and they're like, okay, boys, let's time to backfill, right? It's a little overextended. So what they do is they start to sell out. And once they start to sell out, what they're doing is there's all these orders, you know, good till cancel orders from the month, from the week. Um, And they start to get filled because people will chase a market up. So what you're doing is you're distributing what you bought, you know, in the S&P, for example, in the 2700s, you know, you, you go and you pick up all that paper and you take it up and then you sell it all the way down. Right. And when you, you know, as Jesse Livermore said, this, not me, that you can sell a lot more stock on the way down once you've taken a market up or, you know, not manipulated it, but, you know, ticked it up the way they have. So for new traders, when these sort of events happen, like you know the the, the Chinese uh, currency uh, crisis that happened, um, and then was you know fixed, when these sorts of events—and I don't want to say black swan—but when these sort of strange events like that happen, 
sit out of the market and watch the price action. When you don't take on a position in turbulent markets, it does something. It allows you to think clearly because you don't have an agenda in your head. You're not worried that you're long. You're not worried that you're short. You can actually very observantly watch price action. And when you're watching price action, make notes, right? You'll, you know, as a trader, you'll have certain levels that you'll have marked off on your charts. When price gets to those levels, how does it react? Does it stop? Does it slam right through, right? Does it stop and reverse a little bit? You know, those little nuances in price action will tell you who's in the market, whether they're technical traders or big funds dumping. The way the market trades, like yesterday, it, it traded down. It kept filling single prints, and but the selling was very orderly, right? Jim, Jim Dalton always says institutions don't butcher a market, right? Our job is to trade smoothly, right? To get out large amounts of stock into your buying. So always remember, the market's not going to go away. It's going to be there the next day. It's going to be there the day after that. You don't have to trade a market that's down 100 S&P handles. And don't look at it and say, you know what, if I had shorted it here, I could have covered here and I would have been a millionaire today. That don't, don't look at it like that. What you should be doing is you should be looking at it like a scientist observes an experiment. Because frankly, you don't have the experience to jump in there and start dodging semis on the freeway, right? Be careful, right? Today was a perfect day for newer traders. Today was a nice technical day. It was mechanical. The market systematically was taking out stops on the way out. I posted where the stops were earlier and said they're going to hit here, here, and here, right? And it, it did it because inventory got too short, right? The market sold off for a number of days. People, there was some short covering, you know, and as Turney Duff said, you know, there are guys sitting behind their screen going, you know what, if Apple hit this, I got that sticky note, if Apple hits this number, I'm going to load the boat. So those kind of people are starting to work orders in now. The last three days, also, you guys have to remember, there's something called a margin call, okay? Um, you guys don't really deal with it as much as funds and institutions, but those a lot of these players are, they, you know, they use leverage. And when you use leverage, when the uh, price of the asset that you're using to secure or collateralize that leverage drops, the prime broker calls and says, hey, you got to wire some dough in here, right? So most funds, here's the thing about guys in our industry, we hate wiring money, right? Money comes in, it's not supposed to go out. It's just supposed to come into us. So instead of wiring money or writing a check or journaling funds or whatever they do, they'll, they'll, they'll elect to sell something that, that they've got a good profit on. I'll just sell a bunch of this, right? So we have margin calls, and then those margin calls take the market lower, right? And then that trips more margin calls. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's, it's like a daisy chain effect. It keeps going. The snowball goes until eventually we, we get to a level where everyone's like, yeah, I don't really want to sell down here. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, you've got that Corvette, you know, you want to, and you know, you're advertising it for 25 grand and somebody who offers you 10, oh, I don't want to sell it for 10. Right. So that's, what's going on. There is, there's, 
there is a mechanics, there's an agenda of what's going on, right? So, you know, I don't think the world has ended. I think, you know, this market is, you know, I'm not going to say if it's going to go up or down, but there is a lot of strength in this U.S. market. You know, there is a lot of money and let's just say they haven't finished selling all their paper. You know, this was a good, healthy correction. Um, you know, it could go down more. It could zigzag for a while and balance itself out. You know, uh, when you drop markets on their head like this, it's, it's kind of like getting a good punch in a fight. You know, you get knocked down, you get up and, you know, you're, you're seeing stars for a little bit and you're a little dizzy. That's what it's kind of doing right now. So, but today was a perfect day for newer traders because it was technical. You could trade quite easily in and out because we were in balance. We were in the previous day's range, right? A lot of people got cut up yesterday. I heard a lot of people came to me and said, you know, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. Because the first step for me in trading towards success is to be able to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't see it. I'm going to sit and wait. Right. You know, uh, you know, it's like somebody handed you a scalpel and said, okay, you know, you're going to do a quintuple bypass surgery. <laughs> right. You know, are you going to say, I don't know what I'm doing or are you going to just jump in there? Right. So think about it that way. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with saying you don't understand the price action, but I'm going to sit and watch it so I can understand it for the next time this happens. Right, right, for sure. Now, great advice, great advice. So, um, so JD, so jumping into today's topic about you know starting off on a journey to becoming a profitable trader, uh, which I'm, which I am, which I'm trying to do. Uh, I'm trying to transition from poker to trading, um, and I just want to ask you, um, you know, and I know we discussed this before a little bit, but uh, I want to go a little bit more in depth, like. You know, how long did it take for you to become comfortable retail trading? And um, and if you don't mind sharing, um, like how long did it take, you know, before you were profitable? Uh, it, it took me a while. Uh, it took me a while because I started out with an ego thinking, you know, I'm an ex-manipulator. I can do this. And you quickly, quickly get, you know, taught a lesson in humility very fast. Um, and then I started going down the rabbit hole and I think for the first year, you know, I don't trade a lot. Okay. Um, because I have a lot of scars, right. And in that first year I didn't, you know, I traded here and there, uh, but I was sporadic, but I spent more of my time watching price and just journaling everything I saw. Uh, watching Jim Dalton videos, shadow trader videos, um, you know, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't understand it because market profile, uh, when you look at it at a certain, from a sort of an academic point of view is a little harder to understand than when you put it uh, in the context of the market as it trades. So watching the price action, it's, you know, it took me a good solid two years before I could chunk all the information together, mm. as Jim Dalton mm. says, um, it, it it does take time. You know, it it does take time, and I'm still not where I want to be because this is a journey. This is a marathon, right? And I'm always going to learn something. I'm going to learn something new every day. There's just there's just no way around it. There's no way to get into this game saying I know everything. I've stopped learning, and I'm a pro at it. Right. 
because the next thing you know, you're, you're out in the woodshed and you're getting a whooping, mm-hmm. right? So I, it, it's taken me some time. I'm still on that journey. My biggest problem now is psychology, right? Um, after being, um, you know, especially after like a heart surgery and, you know, you have personal problems in your life and things like that. So it, that stuff wears on you. And for me, like I was talking to Steven, my biggest problem was not trading and not being successful because I didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I deserved to be successful again. I was kind of beating myself up, right? So getting past all of that, um, you know, um, and I didn't even realize that, you know, until one day I was doing something, you know, and uh, somebody said something to me and it, and just something had clicked. I was like, wow, I, I've been like, I've been holding myself back because I'm punishing myself for something I thought I did 20 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever, right? And and that happens to people, right? So that's why psychology is such a big part of this business because, and it sounds hokey, you know, they go, oh, trading psychology. But the thing is, you know, when you're sitting in a room by yourself and it's just you and a bunch of monitors, it's very hard to, uh, you know, your, your mind will play tricks on you. Um, and I'll admit this, you know, I'll be the first one to admit it. If you're not aware of it, because I wasn't aware of it, it really affects your trading. It affects how you live your life. Um, so it's 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 been a good journey. But you know, I, I think you know they have all these people with self improvement courses. Maybe you should become a trader because your demons will come out really quick, right? And if you don't deal with them, you're you're going to be living in a cardboard box. So um, you know, it's it's been it's a, it's been a fascinating journey, you know, the last two years and it, it continues every day. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. You, you, um, so to me, it sounds like, you know, because you say it's, it's taken you two years, um, or it took you two years to, to feel comfortable, to be consistent. And, um, and, and to me, you know, to, to, to be able to, to be able to endure that, like, do you enjoy, you know, cause I feel like for a lot of people that might turn people like off from it, of course, and, of course, and, and that—that's why so so few people are successful. Right, this. right, and, and to, right. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Right, it, it, you here's here's the big magical, you know. Here's here's the you know everybody's looking for the holy grail in trading. The holy grail is you got to be focused and you got to put in the work. If you know, like it, 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 you cannot get around it. Right. There is the there is no way to make fast, quick, easy money in this market because that's how we get you. Right. Those people who come in thinking this is easy and, you know, I'm just going to sit here and it's just going to spit out hundred dollar bills at me. We're the you know, they're the first ones to lose their hands in the cookie jar. Right. Um, you know, they'll lose a finger, then they'll stick it back in and lose a hand. And then next time you put your hand in there, we're going to take your whole arm. Right. And if not half of your body. Right. And so it, you have to put in the time. Me, the I was helped by two things. One is I have a fascination with the United States stock market, the history of it, the people, how it was, how it was built. This machine, you know, I don't think people realize how beautiful an economy and a stock market the United States has. Even in these last three or four days, the price action was stable. 
they weren't backing away from bids. Backing away is like saying there's a bid for $50 for something, but you go to hit it and they go, oh, I'm not really there. Right? That's called backing away from a bid. You could actually hit a bid in this market on the way down. Uh, execution was good. The spreads were nice and tight. There was liquidity. There was beautiful liquidity. Those things just don't happen overnight. They are built by the founders of this market. You know, the JP Morgans of the world and the Harrimans and, you know, the, the people who, who built it, you know. So I have a, I have a huge respect for them. And I have a, a fascination. I read books, you know, written in the 1870s about stock market operations of Cornelius Vanderbilt, right? So that's one thing, right? I totally geek out that way. And I'll be the first to admit it, right? Um, so I, I, I live and breathe the market. I love it. I mean, I spent a year learning the clearing system on the equity side because what we see, for example, in the market – there's the stock market, and then there's the plumbing and the electrical and the structure underneath it that allows everything you see on your screens to operate. And here's the beautiful thing. People don't even know it's there because everything works so seamlessly, right? That is the level of sophistication and brilliance of this machine that the United States people have made. It's wonderful, right? So I, you know, I could talk about this for hours, right? Because for me, I'm in love with the market and how it works and the functions of it and just the little details that people don't really care about. But they kind of make a difference. So you got to have that. Um, that's why this is not for everybody, right? I, I have a passion for it. Ever since I learned about the stock market in, uh, you know, in Liar's Poker, Michael Lewis's first book, I was just blown away, right? Um, so that that's you know, that, that's my thing. And if you don't have to be as crazy dedicated as I have, but you got to put in the time and it's going to take time. Right. You know, right, right. Yeah. No. And that, that's what I was going to say before. Like, that's what strikes, you know, you know, talking to you is that like, you just have such a love, like a deep love for it and, you know, having, you know, for whatever pursuit that, you know, someone's trying to pursue, you got to have that love that's going to, uh, you know, help you through like the tough and the difficult times, so, you know, to keep you going. And then also it seems like you also, you love the challenge of it as well. I love the challenge of it. I love taking things apart and putting, when I was a kid, you know, I took my first bike apart when I was like six years old. It took me a long time to put it back together again, but I always, you know, I always loved um, how things worked. And I had, a, I had about three un uncles who were engineers and they all worked for the um, defense companies in California. And uh, I, you know, I loved that. I thought I was going to be an engineer, but I wasn't smart enough. So. <laughs> well, you found, you found your calling, man. You found your calling. And so, uh, so JJ, so, uh, let's take, let's take a quick, uh, intermission and we're going to bring back a segment that we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I'm going to put on my clergy outfit. Um, and so now, you know, I'm father Paulie Walnuts here. Um, I need you to confess your sins before the Lord. What mark making sins oh, have you committed in your past? Oh, this is a bad one. Um, we were, a bunch of people were doing a deal. It was an, one of the very first internet deals that were um, that they used email to promote. And uh, back in the in the late nineties, and this thing was trading liquid. And the deal guy, the guy who owned all the stock, um, he, he was a stockbroker at one of the bigger Vancouver brokerage firms. But he owned all the stock in this company, and of course, his offshore accounts, and. Um, the promotion started going and uh, I had a client, you know, who had, who was owed about, uh, 
I think that my client was owed about 200 grand in stock uh, on this deal. And, you know, I, I liked my client and everything. And I, and I, and I, I didn't really like this broker too much. And the day that it started ripping, you know, um, th- th- this thing was liquid. I mean, it, it was $5 on the OTC bulletin board back then, you know, it was called the OTCBB, and this thing was liquid. You would have Knight Securities, you know, which is now Citadel Knight Securities. They would call me up and say I could pay the bid at five bucks, and I'd be like, "For how much?" They were like, "How much do you want to sell?" Hmm. Right. So I could I could sell them a million shares at a yeah. clip. Right. That's how liquid this thing was, and we couldn't find the guy who was the deal guy, the broker. He had disappeared. He had completely disappeared. Nobody could find him. The stock was trading, but it couldn't get above $5, right? And technically, it should have been able to get above 5 bucks because it was a clean shell. And this guy, who we shall call Mulrooney, uh, he, he had all the paper. So uh, they sent me to look for him in the building, in the stock exchange <laughs> building. And, um, and I found him, and he was hiding in a janitor's closet, and he had three cell phones going. And he was selling stock behind everybody else's back. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, so uh, and that's called backdooring. Uh, you you know when you have a deal and and you you're not you know the way these guys do it is they have a gentleman's agreement that they're not going to sell right. They're going to sell in concert uh, so they don't depress the price. And you know we couldn't get the stock over five bucks. So I find him and he's got three cell phones going in the closet and. I just looked at him and and here's here's where I sinned. I should have told my clients what he was doing. Oh, JJ. Okay. I, I didn't because I knew that they would have had him clipped. So um, I mean it was like twenty five million dollars worth of paper, right? I mean that's you know like you know, he was just sucking up all the Hey, people don't know. People people you don't know. mess around in Vancouver. Be careful out there. Well, I mean, you know, you know, you think about it, some guy's gonna beat you up for two hundred dollars on the street. What are they gonna do to you for twenty five, thirty, forty million US oh, yeah. dollars? I mean, that's real oh, yeah. money. You know, so I just I you know, I was like, Did you like they were like, Did you find him? And I was like, No, I couldn't find him, right? So and you know, and I and I thought, you know, he he would, you know, I thought he would cut up the stock, you know, the, the proceeds later or something like that. Uh, but he never did. He took the 25, uh, I think he made like $40 million off that deal and, and in like two weeks. And, uh, uh, you know, he booked it down, it's down to the Cayman Islands. And then he proceeded to like make hundreds of millions, uh, by, you know, robbing from everyone. So, um, yeah, that is my market maker sin. Um, but I did it because I knew that they would have like, you know, you wouldn't have been able to identify this guy with dental records if I had snitched yeah. on him. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I can see, I can see your rationale behind it, and not not so bad, not so bad. Now, uh, JJ, how like how common were like people like backdooring each other, like in these scummy moves? How common was that, or was this like a minority? Oh. No, that's every day, every day. You know, I mean, the, the way these guys, a lot of these guys live, the professionals and the, the there's different types of stock promoter. They're like guys who are actually venture capitalists who will do it and fund the company and actually try and build a business. And then what we, then we have what we call ruthless paper hangers and uh, the ruthless paper hangers, they will literally take down their own family. Like, 
you know, I knew brothers that would like take each other down for 5 million bucks mm-hmm. here and there, you know, or the one brother's a promoter and he gets his other brother to warehouse a bunch of stock for him. And then he walks on the debit. Uh, that was common. Um, you know, because a lot of these guys, you know, they're, you know, um, they come from all sorts of backgrounds and, and that's okay. But the, the way they think is if there's $5 million on the table, it belongs to the guy who right. picks it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's savage. Just, it's just a straight, you know, dog, dog eat dog. But, uh, yeah, I mean, especially with that type of money involved, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I guess it's not that surprising, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I, that's why I had a lot of business because when market makers have a buy order, uh, they will call me to show me first bid. Right. And I will pay them handsomely for doing so. Right. Because I, I am Larry, the liquidator. I have to, you know, cause my clients, they only ask two questions, right? They ask how much volume did it trade? How much did I sell? And that, that is, those are my phone calls at the end of the day. That's it. They don't care what price, uh-huh. right? They just want to know what percentage of the volume did you get out for me today? Right. And if it was any less than 20% of the volume, guess what? I'm fired. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, interesting stuff. Now I always, I always love hearing these stories from you. You know, uh, we don't, you know, I guess like retail traders, you know, we don't hear too much of this stuff. It's always fascinating. Um, so yeah, so getting back on topic, um, I know you got some, uh, some questions for myself, you know, for, you know, for me starting out as a trader. Definitely. Um, you know, first of all, um, you know, just personal stuff. You know, I know you were born in New York, mm-hmm. but uh, where did you grow uh, up? Uh, yeah, so I was born in New York. Uh, then I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia, outside of DC. Oh, cool, cool. And you know, we know you play poker for um, a living. What age did you did you start? Yeah, doing well, that? you know, I um, I, I mean, I started playing poker for man. I, I used to, uh, I got into it because I used to watch my uh, my father play online. Yeah, back in uh, what people like call like the heydays of poker, right? Um, so the poker started getting like real popular around like the mid two thousands. Um, and so, man, I, I would say when I was probably like thirteen, I started playing online. Um, I mean, probably even younger. Wow. Um, so that's when I started, wow. and then um, yeah, it was only you know past three or four years I've been able to like fully support myself uh, playing poker. And before that I had sales, but I, I always played as like a semi-professional, you know what I mean? So I was always, I was always like a, a winning player just to the point to where that guy could make that my only job. Oh, cool. Cool. Uh, now I think, you know, I think someone said that you won a seat at the world series of poker for your dad when you were like 13 or something. <laughs> yeah. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. When I was, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that information's out now. Um, yeah. yeah Cause that's not legal. <laughs> they can't do anything. To yeah. You I would say that's not legal, but yeah. Um, I guess I was 13. I mean, well, trying to think of what grade I, I was probably like maybe my first year of high school or, uh, okay. yeah. So probably around 13, 14, um, yeah, no, like I qualified, you know, playing a poker tournament online. Um, and if you win this tournament, you want a seat into the world series of poker, 10 K buy-in the main event. Um, and so obviously me wow. being underage, I couldn't play in it. <laughs> so, so it was my dad, it was my dad's account. Um, and so I want him into it. And then, uh, yeah, he, then he wound up, uh, cashing the tournament for, I believe it was like 40 K. So, uh, <laughs> so nice. yeah, it was a nice that's little score nice. for the family. Oh, that's great. Jeez. It's a family that works yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. That's great. 
So whereabouts do you live now? uh, South Florida, West Palm Beach. Oh, fancy. That sounds nice. Uh, I dream of Florida. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's, you know, it's nice, but like living here for a while, man, this summer, it's funny. It's like, like, you know, it, it's a lot different from, we'll say like Northeastern United States or like, you know, Mid-Atlantic. Like I would always enjoy the summer months. Then, you know, the winter months are a little, uh, you know, not as enjoyable. Now here, the summer months, it's like unbearable. It's so hot. You walk outside for, you know, five minutes, you're sweating, but the, su- but the, but the winter months oh, are perfect. You know what I mean? 70 degrees, nice breeze. So, but yeah, no, I like it for the most part. Uh, I'll swap you anytime up here. I think you've probably got another well, six or seven weeks. And it's well, that's what I was wondering. You, you, were, you were saying like, uh, you know, when it, maybe if you're having a bad day trading or like, you know, you're keeping your gunpowder dry, as you like to put it, you're not trading and you want to go for a walk. How, how the hell you go for walks in negative 30 degrees outside? I wouldn't want to even step outside. Yeah, well, that's that's why God invented Gore-Tex um, and insulate. Thank goodness. The you know, the, it's funny because I moved back here after 26 years in Vancouver, and I was dreading it. And um, you know, but now winter clothing is actually quite warm. It's not like in the 70s and the 80s when everything, you know, your clothes got wet and then it froze. Um, you know, so it's it, it's quite different now. But it's still, you know. Uh, this last winter we were minus 40 for like three months in a row and yeah. it broke me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's man. I haven't even, I haven't seen snow in years. I haven't. Yeah. I, I don't even remember what it's like. We don't get that much snow, but it was cold. So <laughs> now, now Ray, tell me when you were, you know, when you're, you know, learning how to trade, how did you start? Um, out? I mean, I started out probably like most, uh, people of my, uh, age group or, you know, millennial, however you want to put it. Um, you know, I was trying, trying the, the penny stocks, like the low float, uh, the penny stock. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so the okay, exact thing so that you, weird. that you condemn. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I mean, we, we got to eat, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, yeah, I mean, we yeah, need yeah, fresh meat, your, right? Your, uh, you know, yeah, your, your, your nice fitted suits. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that, that, that's tough. And how did you, you know, I mean, obviously you didn't, you know, you didn't no. do great at it. I mean, it's a, that's a very, I, I think in, I think six years now of talking to retail traders, I have only met one guy who has successfully traded penny stocks, but the guy drinks about four pots of coffee a day and he executes so fast. The guy is like a human algorithm when he executes really quick. My buddy, my buddy in Texas, I mean, um, the Bish, you know, that guy, you know, he's the only one who is out of hundreds of people I've spoke to. Um, so that tells you, you know, uh, you know, it, it's a rigged game, and uh, he understood that it was rigged first, so he kind of, kind of was in that frame of mind. Um, so now, now that I've, you know, we've been hanging out, right? I've been preaching the gospel of yeah. market profile. Um, now, how, you know, uh, tell us, tell us, you know, tell us your thoughts on this. Well, my thoughts, um, hmm. Well, you know, just just learning about it, you know, I'm obviously I'm still in, in the process, you know, just working the watching the markets and talking to you, you know, it just it just seems like so, like a much more sound approach, if that makes sense. 
Um, and you know, just, you know, just talking to you and then talking to others who really vouch for market profile, it's like, you know, you know, I, I guess I got fooled before and, and I could say that, you know, you, you can tell from the people who teach who are real and from the people who aren't, you know what I'm saying? Or kind of like the charlatans or however you want to put it. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, I'm just still in the process of, uh, learning it and I'm looking forward to putting it into action here in the next couple of months. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, you know, I will, I've been working with you a little and we haven't even really started yet. Um, you know, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, now, you're a father. How old is your son? You know, I want to get the people to know a little bit. Yeah, know. yeah. So my son is five years old. Um, he's about to start a kindergarten in a week, which is crazy. You know, it's like a next like uh, you know milestone in my life. Um, <laughs> gotta go to like open house in two days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I, I don't know. Like, I got I feel yeah. like I still feel like I'm like a. I don't know, man. It's just like, I'm a damn, I'm a father, man. My kid's going to school. It's crazy. You know what I mean? That's, that's very cool. That's, that's great. It's, it's nice that, you know, that you have that. I don't have kids. I was never responsible enough. So, uh, but that's really cool. That's really cool. And what, you know, what's it like trading and, and, and looking after, a son too. I mean, that well, must be difficult. I mean, yeah, no, no, time. I mean, absolutely. Um, I mean, and that was, you know, I, I always, you know, maybe this is an excuse. Maybe it's not an excuse. I mean, I believe it's not, but like, I, I always felt like I would have been a professional poker player a lot sooner in my life, but you know, I had him when I was like 22 years old, you know what I mean? So I was still a kid myself. And then from that point, like I didn't even really have much money, you know what I mean? I didn't have much of a bankroll. And so, like, you know, I obviously had to think about him. I couldn't go, to, you know, take a chance playing poker with a small bankroll, go busto. You know what I mean? Then then what? So I had oh, to, yeah. you know, it, you know, and it, it's probably, you know, everything. I, I believe everything happens for a reason. And you know what I mean? Like, it got me to, like, I mean, you know, really buckle down. You know what I mean? So I had to go get a job, hustle still with poker. And, uh, yeah, man, like, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of, like, free time. You know what I mean? Didn't have much, like, free social time. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um but no, um, yeah, no, definitely managing the time is is uh, hard. And then like and then obviously me and this is why another reason like I haven't fully gotten into trading and it's tough. And, and me and you have talked about this like offline is like, you know, I still got to make money now. Right. What do I, how do I make money playing poker? Exactly. But I exactly. but I want to just totally die, like dive into market profile. But it's tough. You know, it's just managing my time and just I guess just being patient with it and just, you know, building and just building on it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the being patient. I mean, one of the questions that, you know, somebody asked me is if you work a full-time job, how do you trade? And I, I might as well cover this now because we're there, but um, you know, a, a close friend of mine, she asked that and, um, and it, it is, it is hard. I mean, I look at it, see, I was in a way I'm lucky because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm unattached, I live in a place where it's minus 40 and I live in a small town where there's really, you know, there's a couple hundred thousand people. There's no distractions. There's literally nothing to do. And I don't really like snowmobiling. So, um, you know, I had nothing but time, you know, other than looking after my elderly mother, but most people have lives. They have families. They have, you know, you know, they got to take the kids to hockey practice and this and that and, and work a full-time job and look after a home. So it, it is, it is a very difficult thing. And I guess you have to kind of take the marathon Definitely. approach to it. 
Um, and you know, it's going to be a while, uh, you know, it's not, don't, I'm not quitting my day job, you know, um, to, you know, to be a full-time trader because trust me, the market's not going to pay you mm-hmm. right away. Right. First, it's going to take you out and beat you up a little bit and welcome you to the schoolyard. Right. So, um, you know, while you're doing that, you know, don't quit your day job, schedule time to read, you know, you have to have that discipline and it's all the, I guess, a, a matter of how yeah, bad exactly. you want it. Exactly. You know, uh, that's why I like the, the futures because it's a 24 hour, 23 hour market. Right. So, you know, you can schedule an hour a day, even just to watch the price action in the Globex. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Nailed it right on the head. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what else? Any, any other, uh, any and, other? Uh, oh yeah. I got one. Yeah. I got other one. Uh, you know, what are your goals in trading and, and your goals in life? Yeah. I mean, my goals in trading, I mean, I want to, um, you know, I want to transition out of poker. Like I, like I want to, you know, I need a new career <laughs> really, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and like, you know, you know, poker, you know, for people out there that are not familiar with poker, like, you know, for a while, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks that like, you know, I, I, my age, I wasn't like a little bit uh, older during the poker boom days. Cause people just cleaned up. Like people had no idea how to play poker, you know, it was getting advertised all over TV in America online poker was actually legal in America. It could play with the rest of the world and people were just printing money, millions, JJ, you know what I mean? And, but progressively poker, you know, and through a lot of different reasons, but online poker in America is illegal now. Um, It got, you know, a lot of different markets around the world are, you know, segregated. They can't play, you can't play in a global market. Um, There's no more sponsorship money. And so poker has just been on a downward trajectory. I mean, for a while now, you know what I mean? Probably 10 years um, and so, you know, I kind of got into it, not a, an ideal time, not that you still can't make money, but it's like, you know, I don't, you know, now AI, like AIs are starting to be the best players in the world, heads up and multiplayer settings. And so, you know, this has been a discussion within the poker community community for a while is that like, you know, poker is just not at a great state. Um, and that like money, money's just leaving the ecosystem more and more, um, and so, yeah, I need a new, you know, I need a new, uh, a new career. And, you know, when I was researching, it was like, oh, you know, people who are poker players would be, you know, make good traders. These are very good, you know, similar skill sets and looking at trading, um, you know, the, the industry seems, you know, there's a lot more money in the industry than poker, way more. Um, and, and it's, and it still seems like there's, you know, good, there's good money to be made. And in other words, it's just, you know, it, it seems like there's higher upside in trading than in poker. Oh yeah, definitely. The um, I, I mean, the, you know, this the industry, the the market is the engine that that drives everything. You know, uh, so you have a massive U.S. economy, and uh, you know, the market, you know, uh, is is drilling away back there. So, the, you know, there, you know, when you have companies like BlackRock with it was it seven to eight trillion dollars under management, um, you know, there's. Yeah. <laughs> some oh, heavy yeah. coin no, no, absolutely absolutely <laughs> you know. so, so yeah yeah i just want to uh be able to transition uh careers and then um i guess like life goals I, I don't know you know i guess that's part of it you know just continue to you know be the best father i can be i guess and uh yeah hopefully you know get this podcast out to the masses <laughs> that's yeah. good yeah, that's yeah. good that's good <laughs> So, yeah, so uh that's good. So what else there or or is that it? 
let me see here. Okay, uh, for the people who are listening, uh, who are poker players, because I have no clue what the heck you guys mm-hmm. do with those cards all day. Uh, the mental aspect of yeah. poker and trading. Now, you're just starting into the trading industry, um, but you have, you know, you've ha- you've had the experience of losing money. Um, so do you feel like you have any kind of an advantage on the mental aspect over other oh, traders? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, 100%. I mean, and maybe, I'm, maybe I'm biased, but like I believe, you know, and, and I, was, I have very limited knowledge of trading and I've never professed otherwise. But, um, you know, based on talking to people who are traders um, and then my little experience trading and then obviously my ex- many years in, you know, millions of hands of playing poker. Um, I think like, I think like poker is way more like, like volatile, like your swings are going to be a lot more in poker. Um, and and I could be wrong. Maybe if you're a bad trader, maybe not, you know what I'm saying? But like, I feel like, you know, I've already had this experience of like losing a lot of money, (laughs) you know what I mean? For long stretches of time. Like it's almost like, you know, like I'm numb to this point, like losing money doesn't even matter to me. It's like, all right, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) you know, that that's actually not going to help you in trading. Okay, um, because you, we need we need to uh, get your pain reflexes going again, because you know uh, we don't want you taking a lot of heat. Well, no, um, I always no, no, no. But here's the thing. No, here's the thing. If if you're okay with losing money, that's that's not that but, but doesn't I've, help you in trading. What helps you? What helps you in trading is is good trade location. Right. Because the thing in trading is if you start losing money and because I've seen guys who are okay with risk and they take big risk and they can be down really heavy. But here's the thing about here's the thing about the market. There are things called like we saw in the last three days, a stray order, a stray order can come like say if you you know, if you're down like two grand or something like that and you don't have a stop, but you're like, you know, I can take this heat. It's only two grand. And a stray order comes and knocks the market down, and you and you've lost like six grand out of a ten thousand dollar account, right? Uh, and that can happen very very quickly. So I just you know I, I just want people to know out there that uh, Ray is used to taking risk, but let's hope it's well. No, no, exactly. That's what I'm gonna say. Like I don't just lose money for you know for the sake of losing money, JJ. You know what I mean? Like it's like. Yeah. You know, because no, because there's people like, okay, like, so maybe to put this in better words, um, and and you could, you could very well be right. You know what I mean? Maybe this could be a negative, um, aspect for me and and I'll default to you always when it comes to trading. Um, it's just like, you know, like, you know, early on in my poker career, like, and I think I've mentioned this before to you is like, I have more of a, I think I have more of a conservative approach, like on, on, on the spectrum. And, but like, I would think I was almost too conservative at a, at a time because like, you know, I would start like losing a little bit of money in a session but the game was really good. Like there's a lot of like donkeys at the table, a lot of fish, a lot of money getting thrown around. But like, I was like, I started losing a little money and I'm like, Oh no, I got to protect my money. When in reality, the game was really good. I needed to like up my tolerance a little bit because the game was so good that, you know, you don't often find games like that. I don't know if that was, if that's making sense. It makes sense from your, from a poker perspective for me, from a trading perspective, you should do the opposite. Once you start losing a little bit of money, it's the market telling you you don't know what mm-hmm. the hell you're doing, right? Especially yeah. as a new trader, right? Uh, and that's when you should rein it in and stop, right? Because here's the thing. When you're a new trader, you don't know if the game is good or not, 
right? You don't know. You you don't know enough about the mm, subject matter at hand to let to let, to let the, the fishing line out on risk, right? Because you know, if you're putting in, like, say you take three or four trades, right? And every one of those trades you're losing money on, and maybe it's small dollar amounts, right? Obviously, you're not seeing something, right? It's not like in a poker game where you're like, the, the game is good and I, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of letting it warm up, right? Um, that is when trading, if you start taking losses consistently and you are new, I'm not saying like older traders, they can take a few losses because they're sending probes out into the market because they're testing to see how price reacts or something like that. That's, mm-hmm. that's completely different. But if you're a new trader and you take two or three losses in a row, just stop, like do me a favor and just stop for a little bit. Right. And don't think, Oh, I, you know, I, I can keep going and outpace myself because you don't know enough. You don't know enough about what's being going on in front of you. Like you're you're literally playing with fire right um so stop stop that is like that that's that's why i've never blown up an account i've taken hits trust me i've taken hits but when i'm in there and i do a few trades and and they're not going the right way or the prices see i will have a a thesis if it gets to this level uh the price should you know like today today was a perfect example Right, a very technical day when we got to halfback on on the on the profile, price stopped to the tick and reversed. That tells me technical traders are in there and it's okay to go long, right? And my stop is literally three or four ticks, right? Now, if I get blown through those three or four ticks, it tells me there's there's order flow that's present that I'm not seeing, right? So stop, right? Take a look, reassess, right? So yeah, I understand. I now I'm kind of understanding the poker thing a little bit more, and it is a little different. You know, no, you it know, a little different. the the point that you bring up is like, um, now you got me like totally thinking, <laughs> like, like maybe that is actually um I, what I perceived as being a strength because I have like uh experience with um risking money. Yeah, this might actually be a weakness, yeah. you know, because like, you know, what I've always thought was like different with poker. It's like, um, you know, like I can like I can be playing like really good JJ, right? Like, so I'll give you the example from what I was at last time. Like I'm at a really good table. I'm playing well and I got all my money in, right? I get, I get all my money in against another guy. I got all his money in and I'm 90% favorite. That's the right play. That's the right play to make. But I'm still going to lose one out of 10 times. Yeah. And then that happens. You you know what I'm saying? See it. See, the other thing too, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this. I'm not a card player. So the poker game, like say you're sitting at a table with four guys mm-hmm. playing poker, right? And you're the best one at the table. In mid-hand, a new, a new player is not going to come in and make a bet. No, no, right. If you got, if you, if you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the market. That's the market because the market is worldwide. There's new players coming in every day, right? As, um, you know, Mark Davis, uh, you, you know, you know, may he rest said any one trader in the world can completely screw up your thesis by selling a large amount of stock or buying a large amount of stock or, or with a large order. See, because it's not a closed system, right? It's open. Anyone right. can jump in, 
right? So you could have a great hand and somebody could just walk up to the table and go, look, I got a better yeah. hand. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the problem. I, I'm kind of seeing the poker market comparison now, as I'm kind of learning a little bit more from you, it's, um, you know, anytime. Yeah. You know, you should, and the most liberating thing I have found, and I'll keep saying this over and over again, and people might call me an idiot, but the most liberating thing that's helped me learn in trading is admitting, mm-hmm. I don't know what the yeah. hell's going on. Right. As soon as I go, I have no clue what the F is going on. Excuse my language. I get clarity, right? Because I've let go of the need to try and control the situation. Right. Because, you know, there are very, very, very well capitalized, very powerful people behind the order flow of these of these orders that are coming into these markets, right? They are not to be fooled with, right? So, and we as, tra- as retail traders, we are literally taking a Swiss army knife into a machine gun battle with cruise missiles and ordnance and bunker busting bombs. And it, it, you know, it, it's like me taking on the entire U S military with hey, a Swiss that's army nothing, knife. That's nothing for the gorilla. Come on. Right. <laughs> right. No, I'm serious, man. So, you know, you know, you, you, you've got that kind of firepower out there. There are guys with hundreds of millions, billions of dollars using hundred to one yeah. leverage. Right. So, and, and they have the tools that you don't even know exist. Right. So that, that's, that's what I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the comparisons between trading and poker and, you know, but the, the, the biggest thing I can see right now is that poker is a closed system. Right, like once once you guys are in a game, nobody new can come into yeah. the game. Yeah, no, yeah, no, true, true. But like, right, right. Hand, but you have you have changing right? variables with like the as different cards come out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, no, no. I I know that. I understand that. But the you see the thing about the market is you know we could get to a certain level and somebody you know has you know say you're trading Apple or you know, any stock, you know, it comes to a level and some guy goes, Oh, you know what? I got my position here. You know, I'm, I'm going to start coming mm-hmm. out of my position at this level. Right. And, and you don't know that. Right. So that's why your risk management will save you. Right. You, you will have, you know, a certain, that's why use stops, you know, and, and try and take trades that have a higher odds. Right. So I imagine, you know, you know about yeah. odds, right. Um, you know, and, um, so that was really interesting. I was just, yeah, uh, yeah. No, and I think we can move on in a second. I I think now, now maybe let me ask you about this. Like another strength I thought that my poker experience might bring is the ability to like bounce back from like a a, a loss, like let's say like a losing trade. You know what I mean? Cause I, at least I have, you know, I've lost so many times, but I still got to come back the next day and make money. You know what I mean? And, And I think. I would at least like yep. to think I've developed that skill to oh, bounce yeah. back without losing confidence. That that's a good thing. The, but the one the one proviso, and I say this all the time, and I sound like a broken record. And my brother Odds, who did that interview with uh, Beyond the Trades, he says that too. Is when you start about trading, don't think of it as a way to make money. Learn how to trade right. well. Right. If you learn how to trade well, the money will come. Right. 
But if you're focused on saying, I need to make X amount of dollars every day because I quit my job and I need to pay the rent, we are going to eat you. For yeah. Lunch. I mean, yeah, no, no, for sure. And yeah, like, that's, you know, it's easier said than done because like, I, I feel like we're so, you know, as humans, we're so like results it is. oriented. It is. You know what I mean? It is. It is. It is. That's why retail trading is the hardest thing I've ever done, you know, because there's so many things like that that you're not aware of, right? Because you think, okay, I can go and make a thousand bucks here or five, you know, and, and you just, but you're not thinking about trading well. And when you're focused on the money, you're not really observing the price action. Once I, the biggest thing where I turned a corner and I could see is when I didn't think about putting on a trade, I didn't think about the money. Like this morning, the market opened and, you know, in the first minute, guys are like, I'm long, I'm short. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, man, they haven't even started baking the cake yet. They haven't even put it in mm-hmm. the oven. You know, let let the market open. Let, let the references develop. See who's in the game, mm-hmm. who's playing, right? Because a lot of the times we spend a lot of time figuring out who's at the table if you're a poker player. Right. Because that, you know, we have to figure out who's sitting at the table, who we're trading against, what right. participants right. are in the market that day. Right. See, when you start playing poker, I mean, online, obviously, it's a different game because you don't know who you're playing against. But, um, you know, that, that, that's the thing. First, you know, that's why I'll let the market open, I'll watch it. And market profile, the TPO charts, they will tell me, those charts will tell me. Who is in, in the market today? You know, because we dropped the market on its head and it's a little dizzy. They just let it trade by itself and did some short covering, right? You know, then um, the internals that Peter uh, Reznicek talks about really backed that up. It showed that the market, you know, I call it Christmas tree breath, NASDAQ neg- uh, positive, New York negative. And um, so it was back and forth and back and forth. And it was a beautiful interplay between wholesale and retail, right? You know, uh, you know, you open up a market, you take it down, the sellers run out, you know, and as soon as you can see that the sellers are running out, the shorts start creeping up their bids to cover. Once the shorts start creeping up their bids, retail, smart retail and smart momentum guys, they recognize that, jump in. Then the market starts moving higher than the retail, the slow people, you know, who see it last, jump in and push and chase it up. And then what the, you know, and then they get stuck. You know, and then the market comes off and then the wholesalers buy it back down lower, right? And then run it once the selling is done. And you can see that because the market will trade to very, very specific references to the tick, right? When when a market goes to half back or to the open, to the tick, stops and reverses, you know it's technical trading, right? So mm-hmm. you know who's sitting at the table, right? And market profile will tell you that. So, but to be able to actually sit and listen Right. And actually be able to interpret that price action, you can't right. be thinking, I got to right. take no, a trade. Right. Because it, it clouds you. And, and I, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. This is, I, I'm just talking from experience because I used to do that. You know, I'm, I, I got to force it here. I got to make some money. Right? right. Boom. Next thing down. Right. How did that happen? Because you're clouded. Right. You, you're thinking about, you know, you're thinking about paying your phone bill when you should be thinking about, is price where is price stopping? How is it behaving? Mm, exactly, around these it's having references? that having that uh, 
presence that Stephen Goldstein talks about and is so big on it. But I mean, he's, he's totally right. Just being, you know, immersed in, in, in the moment, present in the moment. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, and, and you know, and, and it's yeah. funny you even said it because this is how I equate like, you know, the market profile and, and the way you describe it and what I've been learning is like how you said, like in poker, like, you know, and even for online poker, like which I play JJ, I can even, you know, even though like it's not face to face, I can tell by somebody how he bets his bet sizing how he, you know, okay. just the style of play he has. If, you know, I'll get it, you know, I won't know for sure, but I'll get a general idea if this guy's a pro, if this guy's maybe, you know, he's he's okay, okay. player or this guy's just a total fish. You know what I mean? And then, okay, yeah, well, then obviously okay, then you have multiple good. players at the table, right? And then you got to understand how that changes the dynamic because no one table is going to play the same way, right? Because you might have a table of all pros. That's going to play way different than a table with just me and then, you know, two average players and three fish, you know what I mean? And so you got to understand how got like it. the, the, it's got like it. almost like the metagame, they call it, you know what I mean? How the dynamics change, you know, the game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, no, that, that, that's, that's a really good thing because that analogy right. is what I just talked about. Like who's, who's in the market. You know, I always say who's who in the zoo, right? Who's in the zoo this morning, you know? Um, you know, so, uh, that that that's really cool. So that's another poker reference that you can use in trading, is you, you know you're you're figuring out right. what the other which people are doing, which is huge. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, Definitely. no, good stuff, good stuff. I mean, any uh, anything else, or should we jump into the listener questions? Oh uh, yeah, we better take the questions before we. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, th- I think <laughs> hopefully people will li- uh, like this. I think it's been good so far. Um, all right, so on to the listener questions, um, and shout out to everyone who's submitted listener questions. Uh, me and JJ highly uh, encourage it, no matter the type of question, serious, funny, uh, whatever it is, we want to have fun with these. And so first question is from uh, at Capture Theta 135 on a massive down day like today, are the market makers just waiting for the tap on the shoulders, giving them the green light to ramp it back up? And I'm pretty sure he was referring to not today, but the day before what eight five, right? August fifth. Well, oh, it, yeah, or any day actually. Uh, yeah, no, you know, and well, the tap on the shoulder is when the selling volume dries up. You got to remember, market makers are there to provide liquidity. They take the other side of your trades, so they are the buyers when nobody's buying, and they're the sellers when nobody's selling. So they they are putting themselves at risk to give you the liquidity to trade this market. You know, you think about it like that. So yes, the tap on the shoulder is when a market starts selling off. They'll take some in, then they have to take some in lower. Taking taking it in means buying, right? So they'll you know it's fifty bucks. Okay, you know there's people selling at fifty. I gotta buy it. Then, you know, I got to buy some at 40. Then I got to buy some, you know, and it keeps going down. So I'm averaging down and averaging down, which is not how you should trade, right? But as a market maker, you're averaging down as you're taking in uh, retail mm-hmm. sellers, right? Because that's your job. You you are there to take the other side of the trade. So the tap on the shoulder is when that retail selling dries up. Right. And when that dries up, then what you do is you, you know, you give it a little bit of a, you know, you goose it a little bit and you start moving the bids up. If there's nobody hitting your bids, um, you know, you start moving the market higher and higher. And then once you, once 
the intelligent momentum players see that the market's starting to creep up and that the selling's drying up, they'll jump in and they help you. The other thing too is the shorts. Once the shorts are trapped and they're not getting filled in at lower prices, they will start creeping their bids up because they have to cover those short positions, right? So you have two sets of buyers then. They will help you take the price up and you can fan it out to them. And then once they start doing their magic and moving price up, then guess what? The retail sheep, they come in. They're the last ones, right? And they'll push it up to the the higher stages of that auction where you can actually, you can sell out and get out of your long position. Then once those people are trapped and then there's no more buying, like we saw today, they're going to come out. So once they start coming out, you know, you can start, you know, buying it back from them again cheaper, right? So that's the interplay between wholesale and retail. Um, and, you know, days like today were a perfect All day. right. Yeah. Shout out to Capture Theta 135. Thanks for the question. All right. Next question is from at Stocks and Crypto. You both interact together smoothly. How much preparation, uh, like research before and after the show, do you do? Um, do you want? Do you want to go first? Then I'll then I'll go. Um, I'll let I mean, you go first, man, ahead. you know, me and JJ are just naturals, man. We just come in straight off the dome, and like we just go, <laughs> you know, like that's how it goes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, we do, you know, uh, we do a little bit, obviously, you know what I'm saying, like uh, as far as like structural wise, but um, I would like to think a lot of it is just you know me and you just flowing back and forth. There's, there's a lot of that. And what I do is um, throughout the week, I'll take notes uh, about something that, you know, uh, that seems relevant. Hopefully it is relevant. Um, and then, you know, in the trading room that I'm in, I, you know, people will say something or people off Twitter, um, you know, they'll ask a question and, it, you know, maybe I should explain that. Um, so, you know, I, I do my whole my whole life is basically one research project it's it's been like that i was one of the first guys at the firm to read sec filings back in the early oh. 90s so it uh I, i'm always doing research I, i'm yeah, always you demand jj and sh- yeah shout out to uh stocks and crypto uh for the question appreciate it all right next question comes from at trading after hours uh you both refer to playing in traffic when trading often what exactly does that mean Um, when, when trading often, uh, and trade playing in traffic, um, once again, market profile, when a market opens, if it's choppy, if it's up and down and up and down and up and down in a range, uh, what they're doing is they're picking your pocket. There's counterbalancing order flow coming from the sell side and the buy side, and it's just playing off each other. So what I say about, and once you recognize that you realize you don't want to trade that unless you're a very fast scalper, right? Uh, but if you're not a scalper, um, that's when you sit and wait. And that's what I tell when I'll tweet out something. It's like, you know, don't play in traffic. It's choppy. Um, you know, there's a lot of semis going back and forth down the freeway and you're out there, you know, <laughs> playing tiddlywinks. It, you're going to get smoked, right? And they'll be like, oh, I got stopped out. It's like, yeah, no kidding. You got stopped out. It's a choppy market. You don't know what you're doing, right? Um, just just sit out and wait, wait right? Uh, patience is the hardest thing. And I'm not saying that this didn't happen to me either. 
be like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm feed market maker's order flow for 20 years. I, I can trade this chop. Well, guess what? I didn't, right? Um, it, you know, it, it, I'm not saying this that I, I'm better than anybody else. It's just that when you see price going back and forth and back and forth in a small range, three ticks, five ticks, that kind of thing, just, just wait because the market is waiting for more information, right? It's telling you, don't, don't jump in here right now, right? Um, so just sit, sit and wait. And yeah, playing in traffic is really never good. The yep. results As you always say, good. keep your gunpowder dry. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I love that phrase so much. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just from, I, you know, it's just like, or, you know, save your bullets is another one, you know, like if you're going to be in a gunfight, um, you know, don't, don't shoot the gun up in the air, you know, save mm-hmm. those bullets because you're going to need them. Amen. All right. Uh, shout out to trading after hours. I uh, appreciate the question. All right. Last question comes from at M trading media D. Uh, when are you guys going to ask me to get you sponsor for the podcast? Uh, trading company listening would be crazy not to lock up you guys now for a sponsorship deal. Uh, yours is your podcast is educational, entertaining. Thanks. Well, uh, yeah, you know, thanks for, you know, the compliments. Uh, obviously we very much appreciate that. Hey, if you want to go out and get us a sponsorship deal, anybody listening, me and JJ like money. Uh, yeah, let's do it. We would be happy to entertain something like that. And thank you very much. And uh, I, I apologize for the, um, I, I just want to just want to say what I just said about the gunfight thing was insensitive considering what's just happened. And I want to apologize about that. That's, uh, um, you know, I, I, um, uh, yeah, my absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I don't, hopefully no one took it that way. I know I didn't in my mind. I didn't go there. I just, no, no, absolutely. I, I no, no, no. It's I just, just you know, say, respectful. Yeah. yeah, and obviously, yeah, thoughts and prayers out to everyone affected by the recent events. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, JJ, any uh, parting thoughts? Uh, no parting thoughts. I just want to, you know, uh, give a shout out to my superstar who uh, inspires me a lot with uh, education, and she teaches me. Uh, what retail traders are wanting and uh, what they're looking for. And Yo, I really shout out to the superstar, you, um, JJ, another good podcast. Thanks for joining me. Um, yeah. Look forward to next week. All right. All right. Same listeners. Thanks great. everyone thanks, for Ray. listening uh, for me and JJ. Uh, that's a wrap. Keep your gunpowder dry. All righty. Have a good night. <laughs>